Hello and welcome to the Women's Body and Power Podcast. Coach Holly and Coach Katie are here to talk to you about all things bodybuilding, powerlifting, and anything in between. We love talking about strength training, nutrition, and how to just be your best self. So thank you for joining us and enjoy the podcast. where the restart the start okay so welcome to women's body and power and we are here to talk about all things related to training nutrition um obviously anytime you all have questions we appreciate your questions we appreciate you being here um, we want you to get the most knowledge possible so last week we were talking about setting up a training program but we wanted to take it today um, into a discussion about warm-ups and cool-downs. I don't know about you two ladies that are in the room or any of you all that may be watching, but I find that I tend to rush into my workout without a proper warm-up. And this is one of the things that I really, I, this is one of those um, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> because, um, you know, I do always like to encourage my clients um, to warm up at least five minutes, um, five to 10 minutes on a piece of cardio equipment. If you're in the gym, like I particularly on leg day, um, like to walk. I mean, it just kind of, it gets, you know, your joints warmed up. It gets everything kind of lubricated, I should say. So like when you, you probably can tell if you go into a workout cold and I can tell it way more so on my lower body than upper, but like, even like the first set, if I don't even have hardly any weight, let's just say I'm doing my first set body weight. It's like, oh my gosh, I feel like things are creaking and crunching. And it's like, that is a really good indicator that you need a warm up, right? Yeah, I, I agree. So I, I'm the opposite. And I think it's just a personal thing for me. I used to warm up doing the cardio stuff and then I would stay there. So my issue was I, I get on one of those pieces of equipment and then it got easy to just stay there. Right. Cause then I'm like, uh, I don't need to do that. Like I'll, I'm just going to walk for another 20 minutes. I'm just going to start running. I'll just do some intervals, like something like that. And like call it a day and then out. Like that was, that was my thing. And so I, I, I steer clear of the cardio equipment when I'm warming up for heavy lifting days, just cause me personally, I tend to skip workouts or I just make my own rules up. See, then, right? Like cardio. I start to make my own rules up. I, I just am like, eh, forget it. But I do a lot of dynamic warmups. So a lot of, um, like banded kind of hip openers, that sort of stuff. So I'm always kind of warming up the joints that are going to be moving. So, you know, like deadlifts, they're a very hip dominant exercise, lots of hip openers, lots of assessing, you know, finding out if that range of motion is there, you know, if we're kind of creating some space, if there's tension, if there's tightness, that sort of thing. Um, and then working into those areas. So kind of like a really activated, you know, um, hip opener sequence that I can just do. And then I do a lot of um, exercise specific warmups. So, you know, the deadlift, you know, it might be stiff leg deadlifts. It might be that sort of things that really light, light weights and then kind of working into that. So 
that's how I plan mine just because I'm, I'm a time person. I don't like to waste a lot of time. I don't like to be, you know, um, stuck doing something for too long. I get, um, really distracted really easily. <laughs> so I need to just come in and start the workout. And so that's, that's the way I've kind of put mine together for warmups. Cool downs See, are a little like bit cardio, different. So I'm never going to like stay on a piece of oh. cardio equipment like <laughs> Five minutes is my max, but I always take it to also after the five minute warm up, I do multiple warm up sets, especially mm -hmm. on the compound movements. Like I will do, like if I were doing a squat, I would never just go throw a bunch of weight on the right. bar. I would go, I would do my five minute warm up. I would start with the bar. I might add tens, then I might add two tens, then I might add 25s, but I'm still not to my working sets yes right right yeah i think that maybe that's where we want to talk about today too is the difference between your warm-up sets and then your work sets and and there is a difference um and then knowing when you can move from one exercise let's say we're doing the squat to maybe you know split squats or some sort of you know dumbbell lunges or something we don't need to re-warm up you know once once your legs are warm once you've already been kind of you know hitting those muscle groups you don't need to warm up again. You can go to the work sets in the next exercises as long as it's already been used and you haven't sat around for 10 minutes, you know, texting somebody on your phone before you jump back into it. So those are things to just remember too. I don't, I, I start, do you use percentages? How do you, how do you choose your work sets versus warm up sets? Percentages, rate of perceived exertion, what do you do? Um, I usually go just based on, um, well, I mean, I guess it would be percentages, but I don't actually sit there and calculate it. Um, okay. You know, I go based on like the previous week, you know, so each week I may be trying to add, like if it were on a big movement, like a squat or deadlift or bench or something, I might try to go up like five to 10 pounds. And, and so that's based on like the last week but it also is like okay if i get in there and i know i'm starting like on my warm-up sets and it's just like ridiculous heavy and i know like i am probably not going to get <laughs> what i planned then i might actually have a percentage back you know what i mean so like it might vary either way um but yeah i mean i guess it's a percentage but i i don't really i don't really calculate just because simply, I mean, I've been doing it so long, like 20 plus years. I, I get into the all scientific thing of it and I'm like, Oh yeah, calculate the percentage and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, I then totally I'm, do. <laughs> I get lost I totally do. Like, no, so, no, no. Well, okay. So I, a few years back, I started doing the calculated stuff just because I got into like into my head about the load and kind of just the volume stuff. So I created some, or I created, I should never take credit for this. My husband created some really fancy like um, Excel files that would do the calculations for me. So I could put in all my weights, I could log everything. And then I would know, you know, even with the warm up sets, if the next workout was a higher load, higher volume, higher intensity than the last one, based on what I put in. And so all of my work sets and all of my warm up sets, I do calculate. Like I know exactly what my next warm up is going to be. I know how many pounds I'm jumping up by. Um, and that's all based on that, that max um, sets 
for, for the workout. So like if it's a five by five at 225, I know what all of the progression for the, the warm up sets is going to be before I get to my work sets for that five by five. Um, but I really only do the, the warm up progressions, the warm up sets for the big lifts. So squat, bench, deadlift, snatch, and clean and jerk. Those are the only ones I do it for. The rest of them, they're kind of like, I really do all my accessories at the end, like a circuit. You know, so then yeah. I have my cardio. Like, the thing is, is if you want a compound lift, so yeah. I do the same. I do the same. Um, squat, deadlift, bench press. Um, I don't do clean and jerks, but like overhead barbell press, I do warm up for that. Um, but then like once, you know, you normally are starting with your bigger lifts anyway. And so once you're doing that, then everything else is warm. You don't have to go and do like a bicep curl and do warm up sets for the bicep curl because you've already probably done like rows or pull downs or pull ups or something. Your biceps are already warmed up. They don't need that. They've already gotten their warm up. You know, so when you're doing the big things, you're actually getting all of the muscles warmed up. So you don't need warm ups for every single exercise, but it's really important on those bigger lifts because, you know, number one, you're using so many more muscle groups. Um, your risk of injury is probably going to be, you know, much higher unless you're like one of these, um, I'm going to try to bicep curl <laughs> 225. Don't go try to do, um, you know, something ridiculous. I mean, you, you know, generally what weight you should be doing, you know, like let's just say even I were doing a machine of some sort. I know what I did before. You kind of got to gauge a little bit where you're at, you know, like, Let's say I go to the, um, the lat pull down machine and I put 45 pounds on there. Well, I know hundred percent for a fact that at my gym, if I did 45 pounds on there, I'm going to be flinging it down and I could probably do like a hundred reps. So I know that's not where I'm going to start, you know, but even like on a lat pull, I probably start a little less than what my max is going to be. And I might progressively go up, but I generally am going to have an idea after I've been training for a little while where I should start, you know, because you're not going to go over there. And let's say I pull down 130 is the max weight I use. And I may, maybe I'm only getting like five of those. I'm not going to start with that though. You know, right. you want your body, when you do, a lighter set and you're progressively getting heavier you're telling your body it's just like the warm-up set you're telling your body what the movement feels like you're engaging those muscles you know so it's like your body knows okay yeah it's going to get heavier but you're not just first set out of the gate trying to go as heavy as you can right so a good rule of thumb I always tell people is if you're working in, so rate of perceived exertion, it's super great to, to start using, start implementing. If you don't know one rep max numbers for yourself, if you don't know a three rep max number for yourself and you're not calculating percentages, use rate of perceived exertion. Use it, use it, use it, document it, start to track it, start to find out what workouts are harder for you, what exercises are harder for you, and 
I mean, workouts as a whole, because if you're adding in, you know, squats, bench, and deadlift in the same day, and that's extremely intense, but your squat workout is super easy when you've only got squat and a few exercises, you know, paired with it, you need to know what's harder for your body. Some people really, really love the squat, bench, and deadlift, and then throw all of their accessories on like the next day. And that's totally fine. You know, you're hitting everything, kind of look at it as like a whole system, as a whole, so maybe squat, bench, deadlift, or, you know, upper body, lower body, push, pull, whatever it might be as a whole versus, you know, just one day. And that's the only thing that counts because you can use the entire week. You can use the entire cycle, whether it's a four day or, you know, an eight day um, to get all your training. And you just want to know what that is. But the rate of perceived exertion, I always say, you know, four to five is, is warmups, right? That's just warmups. Once you're into that 60, or 60 so six to seven range that's that's kind of like the the low end if you're training in six to sevens but you're hitting you know higher reps you're going to be in kind of that hypertrophy training which means we're adding muscle mass to the body you know then we're getting into eights and nines we should have lower reps because our our load is higher in that in that range or eight and nine might mean you know 12 reps really sucked at that weight and and it was definitely like a nine um I, I use rate of perceived exertion a lot because it's easy for me and my clients to, to know, like I had one rep left. I had two reps left. I probably could have gotten three. And so we can really gauge where, where they are. That's really close to the percentages. It, it kind of translates over to the percentages pretty significantly. If you're honest. So are you was, talking about rates in reserve? Cause you said RPE, but then you said how many left you have, but that's rate. Reps in reserve, right? Reps in reserve. So it, it's kind of, so I, I give my, my clients a, a scale and it is kind of like reps in reserve rate of perceived exertion because it's easy for them in their head to go, I think I probably had one more left. Okay, that would probably be a nine, right? Um, because a lot of times when we're going from different exercises, you know, if you hate bench but you love deadlift, you're never going to rate your deadlift as hard as you would rate your bench even though, you know, the bench might have been at, at an eight. But, you know, you're, so we do reps in reserve as a rate of perceived exertion as well. Um, but kind of with that, that tier of how many, you know, you might've gotten two more, you know, one, maybe two more, but two more would have been max, that sort of thing. Yeah. So you feel if you have an eight of an RPE, that that would equate to two reps in reserve? Yes, maybe three. So if you have three, then would that be a seven on the RPE? Okay. I got you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I send all, so the thing is, is um, everything just, as long as you're using the same measurement every time, you can build out your own reps and reserve. You can build out your own rate of perceived exertion, right? You can even have a chart of like, I feel like I'm working at 80% until you know exactly what 80% is of your one rep max. Then you would know exactly when you're working at 80%. Um, so when I started doing the reps and reserve or the rate of perceived exertion and put that chart together, it was kind of like a cumulative um, collective of, me figuring out, okay, I'm at 80%. I know my one rep max. I've tested it at meets. I know exactly what that should be, you know, and then what percentage I was lifting when I could maybe get to, and then we were starting to track that. And so we were using a spreadsheet my husband made, and that's kind of how we came up with those. So that's what I use for my clients because I know what it feels like, right? Like, so when we're thinking of rate of exertion, 
that's where it was, that was the feeling that kind of came along with that. Um, so that's what they get sent out. So as long as you're working either with yourself or your coach and you know exactly how you're measuring that load, that intensity, you know, how, how difficult or challenging the workout is or that exercise is, you're, you're in good hands. If you can't measure it, you can't fix it or increase it or improve it, right? Like you can't manage it, right? What is it? What, if what gets measured gets managed, is that how that works? I don't know. So. <laughs> I think, so, uh, I think that um, what I have found is um, with a lot of my clients over the years, they will shortchange themselves in how many they actually have left. They yeah. will want to stop short. And mm -hmm. um, again, this is why it's probably good if you can work with a coach because, um, you know, it's like, I had a guy who, who didn't, didn't get the reps in reserve, like at all. And I'm like, well, I mean, I understand that, but like he thought he maybe only had two left and he got like six more. So mm -hmm. like a lot of times your, your perception is not always correct, you know, you know, so it does, it does take time to learn that. But I think, like you said, it takes, um, consistent measure as well yeah. um so karen says she can feel how many reps that she may or may not have left right um yeah. so rpe is harder and i get that um i tend to be like i think that i've got one left and that's when i'm already at failure it's like yeah no it's not happening so like so the failure thing and I, think, I think this is important and you probably suggest this too if you can find a place or people to spot you and fail safely, go figure it out. You don't have to have something where you can get your one rep max. Go test your five rep max, right? And find that weight that you can, you can get four, maybe not five. Then you would know your four rep max. You can still put that into an online calculator and get a pretty accurate idea of what your one rep max is. So you can jump right to percentages which are so much easier because we take the guessing out of it a little bit. Um, so I, I always tell people, if you can fail, if you can fail safely somewhere, go do it, you know? Um, and then once you get over that, that first failure, once you, you know, you miss a lift, you know, you only get half the squat up and you have to sit down and yes, it's embarrassing and it's no fun and you have to take the weight off to get the bar back up and it's a lot of work and it's a pain in the tail do it anyway um because once you get that out of the way it's really not that scary anymore and then you're like oh that wasn't so bad you know and you try and you start to push the limits and you break those barriers those glass ceilings because you're not scared of failing anymore so you can still increase that that rep max whether it's five whether it's three whatever that is so yeah, I say go go in there and fail find out where that that ceiling is for you right now and you can start using percentages do you so, like percentages, Holly? Per, do I like percentages? Yeah. Yeah, I like percentages. I just, like I said, I, I try to not. Um, so I think it depends on where I'm at, like with my goals, right? Because there yes. are some times that I will do a certain training block and my goal is actually to increase each week. 
and therefore I'm more likely like to use percentages. Um, but I don't just do block after block after block of that. You know, I will have a different one and maybe I'm not doing percentages. So like, um, you know, again, it just depends on, on where I'm at. Like, especially for me, um, like competition wise, I have learned over the years that my training should not change a lot because if you are trying to lose fat for a competition and your calories might be decreasing, the tendency is to adjust your workouts to make them easier and you should not do that. So you want to actually do everything you can to keep your workouts as hard as you've had them, um, but you may end up, you know, changing your exercises. Um, for example, if I'm like four weeks out from a competition, like this is a physique competition, it's totally different for yours. Um, but like if I'm four weeks out, I'm tired, like, and my body fat is really low and my risk of injury is increased. So I'm mm -hmm. not going to be trying to max squat four weeks out from a no. competition. I would be like, probably just doing leg press. And you don't want that loading, right? Like you don't want that water yeah. retention, everything that comes with muscle recovery, right? Right. You want to go as heavy as you can go. Even in physique competition, you want to, to keep it as hard as you can because that's going to allow you to maintain the most lean muscle. Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of people get into a thought process of, well, if I do more, you know, I've heard this too. If you do more reps, it's for toning. If you do, you know, less reps, it's for bulking, right? But like, honestly, everybody, 100% right now, I'm telling you, you want to bulk. Like, yeah, bulking is building lean muscle. That's what gives you shape. That's what gives you the look that you want is by progressively increasing your resistance used, not just upping your reps. Like at that point, you're going to actually start, like if you're in a caloric deficit, you're going to start losing your muscle. And so that's why it's so important to keep using the heavy weights, um, you know, throughout, because that's what gives you your shape and the look that you want. It's not, you know, a lot of, a lot of competitors even get into that. Oh, well, um, it was peak week. So, you know, I was doing like 15 to 20 reps of everything and every, every rep scheme like has a place. So don't get me wrong. I mean, there are some times that I will just do something, you know, ridiculous and be like, okay, I'm doing a hundred reps of this, but I'm still doing heavy weight. And it's like, I rest, yeah. I go again, I rest, I go again. So like, you know, to like challenge the muscle, different rep, ranges have a purpose, but you don't want to lower your weight in the thought that higher reps equals, you know, a yeah. toned look. So I want to talk about that because I think that you're, you're right on. And this is where I think, you know, having a coach or knowing exactly what your body adapts to is really, really important. Obviously a coach is going to like take this, you know, time and a half. You're not going to have to go through the internet crap and just find the relevant information, but every rep scheme has a purpose. It has a purpose, right? But you have to figure out which ones work for you for your goals. You know, you can't be going in to a physique competition and be doing, you know, three sets of two. 
you're not going to do it. You're not going to be, you know, peaking for, for strength, right, for, for max power output. You're going to be peaking for max muscle retention, right? Like, so, um, where was I going? I lost my train of thought. i sorry, I had a message pop up. But I think that's really important, right? Like, you want to know exactly what you're working for. And, you know, this is a really good example. Coach Holly and I are, like, completely opposite ends of the spectrum. I know I'm going to get her over to powerlifting one day, just not yet. But right now we're opposites. And it's fun to talk about that because, you know, there isn't a one-size-fits-all. And I don't know how many times we can say this. We're probably going to talk about it until we're blue in the face. Every time there's not a one size fits all, there is a size that fits you, right? And what works for your body mechanics, the way that your hormones are working on any given day to, to create that anabolic or catabolic state or whatever that might be. It's, it's about identifying how your body adapts to the, the, the stress that's being put on it and, and how that works together. Um, based on where you want to go. You know, if you're going, if you're going in coach Holly's direction and you're doing the, you know, peaking for, for a competition and looking, you know, badass on stage, you've got to go a different direction than me. Who's, you know, just going for one rep, one, one pull, you know, and I, I really don't care where anything is falling on my body. I'm eating a, a ton and you know, there, there isn't a manipulation so much of, of, body composition. It's really just a manipulation of peaking for strength. So you've got to know where you're going or you will not know how to get there. Maybe that's what we want to say. Yeah. Know where you're going. Know where you started from too. Baselines are important. Yeah. And so like if you haven't been training a long time, just remember that, you know, warm-ups are super important. Don't cut them. Don't, don't cut the warm-ups out to cut your workout time down you know, because they're really, they're really serving a purpose. And the biggest purpose of the warm-up is to like, um, get your body prepared and to like avoid injury. So don't skip those thinking I could cut 10, 15 minutes off of my workout if I don't do a warm-up, right? Mm -hmm. And then let's flip that to the backside of the workout. People like leave off the cool down stretching and everything at the end. And you know, that is also important. I have someone in my household that never, ever, ever stretches. <laughs> no, don't throw him under the bus. Don't, don't do it. Holly. Don't do it. This is okay. Well, I have to tell my child to stretch. I'm going to call him. I'm going to call him and be like, Hey, Holly threw you under the bus again. He knows. He knows. I would just like, <laughs> When he like talks about, okay, he will lay there and literally, okay, leg day. This is the measure of a good workout is if he can flex his legs really hard and make them cramp. And I said, <laughs> how does that indicate that it was a good workout for you? And then he's hey, like, so sore, like the next day. So then of course, you know, soreness, we talked about this before, but then I say, okay, look, if you are that sore, Okay, yes, you should have some muscle soreness. Sometimes you're going to have more than others. But, like, sometimes people feel that that soreness is an indicator of a good workout. And sometimes that soreness is from other things. And we've talked about that before. But I think that the cool down, for me, 
I don't really like cool down like time wise, but for me, like my cool down is stretching. And so I will at least, at least at the end of my workout, have a few minutes. I mean, it doesn't take that long to stretch all of the muscle groups that you just worked. Two to three minutes max. But I'm telling you, it will make a difference in the long run in how you're feeling soreness wise. It does help prevent soreness and it does help you know, lengthen the muscles back out, which I think helps your training long-term, you know? So like, what else would you add like for the cool down? For me, it's like really about stretching. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've stopped calling it stretching in my gym because I think that, so for me, my clients here, and they're, they're a beautiful group of clients that come here. They think stretching is, is very passive. It's just like, you know, stretching. And so we've started calling it mobilizing because the idea is to open up range of motion, to create as much access to the range of motion about those joints as you can, like creating that, that space. And after a workout, your body is ready to, to open that up. All of your joints are lubricated. Your muscles are warm. Like things are going to be working in your favor to create that, that extra amount of mobility. So start to mobilize at those joints. You know, if you did a deadlift workout, get into those hips, open them up, you know, figure out what those hip openers are. And, and it's still, you know, activating the right muscles to, to gain that access. Um, my clients at the beginning and the end of the workouts always do seven assessments of, of, the, of a couple of shapes to find out where they have access to as far as range of motion at those joints and those places before the workout. And if we can't identify that they've created more space after the workout, we've done something wrong. Because when you're coming in and you're, you know, you're cold and you know that, you know, you don't have quite that range of motion yet opened up at the end of the workout, you should see a direct improvement from the, the joints that you work. So it like the hips, you know, we should be able to see that they're much more open at the end of the workout than we saw at the beginning when we did that first assessment coming in cold. So know where you're starting from, know that you've kind of done some good. And those, those assessments are great to do, but yeah, like coach Holly said, you've got to be stretching. You've got to be mobilizing at the end of the workout, or we're just going to continue to, to not lengthen those muscles back out and they continue to shorten, which will cause injury down the road. You know, we're going to have those imbalances where we've got tight muscles that are pulling on a different joint, you know, and you get soreness and stiffness in places. You don't need to have it. I would love to have a study. Like I would love to have a study. I'm getting into my science geekiness again. Yes. I would love, like all of the people that I have, like lots of bodybuilders, this happens too, but lots of bodybuilders will rip a pec or rip a bicep. And, you know, torn biceps, particularly, I would love to know the percentage of torn biceps that have occurred that had had stretching on a regular basis. Um, because, like, serious. As the biceps are small, right? I mean, the bicep too. It's two heads of the biceps. But like you think about it over time. If you like get those biceps pumped and pumped and pumped and pumped and pumped in the gym like every week, right? And you never lengthen them back out. Eventually, that load is going to be like too much, right? Like you can't, and you know, 
I would, you know, venture to say, okay, is it, is on, is it on the concentric? Is it on the eccentric? But like you think about like, just like a mound of something here that doesn't lengthen back out easily is going to be more likely to get torn, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that that is, you know, that's something to consider. You know, when you're thinking about not stretching, think about all of the places that tighten up easily especially like lower back and hamstrings are particularly tight for most of the population. I think men even more so than women, but still women even have very tight lower back and hamstrings and glutes. It all ties together, right? So a lot of times it's a strength imbalance that will make other things tighter. Like if you have really weak glutes, then, you know, you're compromising that whole posterior chain, right? Like you've got to like, you've got to strengthen it, but you've also got to lengthen it back out. And I think people just, you know, try to rush, try to skip the warm up, try to skip the stretching, and then things just get really tight and then they're compromised. So mm -hmm. you, you want to have, you want to be able to do this for a really long time. So you've got to make time for those things. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, in short, it's just about, you know, at the beginning when you're warming up, we're getting, you know, blood flow, we're warming up the body, we're preventing injury, and we're kind of increasing that range of motion so that everything we're working out, every exercise we're doing, we can do at full range of motion, full capacity, right? So we're not stiff going into those exercises. And at the end, we want to make sure that we're not, you know, leaving in, in a shortened state for the muscles, right? Um, I, I saw something one time. I saw a, a like a cross section of muscles that had been, you know, like I think it was a man's bicep actually, a cross section of it after he'd been working out for many, many years. And it's there's scar tissue. You know, when you're ripping muscle fibers, there's there's scar tissue that, that happens within that muscle tissue, right? Like the, the muscle doesn't just create brand new fancy muscle. There's there's scar tissue that happens and that's where that bound up sort of happens. So you want to make sure that you're lengthening and creating that, you know, suppleness to it, maybe, you know, that smoothness to it as much as possible while the muscles are healing, while that tissue is healing. Just like if you think about a, a pregnant woman as, as she's like, you know, kind of stretching out that skin as it's stretching, they tell you, right, like to lubricate it, to keep it really nice and soft so that, that that scar tissue that's happening during the stretch marks, you know, can kind of not interfere too much or not get too, you know, big and large. And so we want to just keep that stuff lubricated is the idea. So does anybody have questions before we go? Yeah. I can't see people, so you'll have to tell me if there's questions. Well, there have been some, there have been some comments, um, but, um, but no real questions. Just Mindy, Mindy was in here and she was asking about heavy reps in a caloric deficit and talking about stretching and a lot of places. Um, uh, gyms use foam rollers more so mm. like foam rollers are like a big thing. Oh, we should do an equipment one. Yeah. So, um, and I told her, you know, for me, if I do foam rolling at the end of every workout, it becomes like too much. So I definitely like stretching, um, but I do the foam rolling just on a periodic basis. I don't do it like after every single workout. Um, I'll probably do it more like a couple of times a week um, as, as I, you know, feel like I need to. I don't know. I think sometimes, sometimes 
too much of something can be not a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. So you kind of got to balance and know what works really good um, for your body. But again, um, if you are here, if you are listening uh, on whatever platform you may be listening, feel free um, to, to drop us questions in the Women's Body Empower group on Facebook, um, in the YouTube channel. We love questions because we just make up our topics otherwise. We, we want to answer what you all want answered, okay? So, yes, drop, yeah. so drop the questions, ask us questions, either in Women's Body Empower here on Facebook, on Holly's YouTube channel, in the podcast comments as well as they come out. And then don't forget to, you know, if you want to be signing up for Coach Holly's six weeks program that's out, make sure that you're getting in that because the beta program is launching when? It's already launched. It's already launched. Never mind. You missed it's it. 16, 16 weeks. 16 weeks. Yes. See, this is why I need a, I need a thing here with all of your information. 16 weeks and you missed it. If you missed it, make sure you get on her waiting list. So send her a message and get in there. Right. Are you having a waiting we, list? We, we have launched, but I actually want, um, I'm going to keep, um, I'm going to keep people in the beta testing group until I have those spots field. So even if you okay. didn't get in now, you can still come in because I want the feedback from those initial beta participants. So, um, you know, you can still contact me. You can go to my website. It's fitwithholly.com and you can see the dream dress transformation, um, information there where it will give you an application and tell you like a description and all that stuff. Oh, that's super exciting. So technically, this is a really good opportunity for people that, one, love to have their opinion heard, give feedback, and also get a chance to, to maybe, you know, ask for exactly what they need in that dream dress transformation, right? Because exactly. this is going to transform how, how the next um, session of dream dress transformation rolls out and exactly what the program is going to include long term. So if you like having an opinion, I suggest you reach out to Coach Holly. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, ladies, until next time, I will not be here next Wednesday, so I will see you in a few weeks. Coach Holly will be here live all by herself, so make sure you come with questions and get them answered. Like, give me your questions beforehand so I yes. know what they are, and I can prepare myself. Perfect. Okay, bye, Perfect. Ladies. Well, you, bye, ladies. Have a good day.